The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that for any and every situation that we might be going through, you have truths provided for us, Lord, in your word. Um, Thank you for this passage, Lord. Thank you that... Um, anything that we might be going through from the smallest little confusion to circumstances that are beyond our comprehension, Lord. You meet us where exactly where we are. You have compassion for us. And it says here that you have wisdom and knowledge that you're taking, Lord. Lord, I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us so that all of this is possible because of Jesus' sacrifice, we have this relationship with you that allows us to tap into the most all-knowing being, Lord. We praise you for that, and we love you for that. So with that in mind, Lord, I pray that this morning you soften our hearts. Let this passage speak to us in renewed ways, Lord. Let it have a fresh approach and perspective in our eyes, Lord. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Janie. All right. Well, welcome this morning. Uh, my name is Randall. It's your first time, the pastor of Grace City, and it's good to see you this morning. Uh, again, happy Mother's Day to mothers out there. Uh, just two quick announcements. I think one that's really, um, we're really thankful for. Last week, we had two baptisms, and so Simona and Christian were baptized last week, and we praise God for that. And uh, to go along with, uh, you know, why our church is here, um, our church is here because we want to be a church for our city uh, that seeks new life in Jesus. That's the vision of our church. And so we want to point people to Jesus. And at the end of the day, that's, that's why we're here. And, and it's not just adults, it's, it's kids, it's, it's youth. And so that's what you see in this picture here. And that's why we put on the City Kids Sports Camp. Um, so that's happening again July 17th through 19th. So if you have any friends uh, with kids, kindergarten through fifth grade, this is a free camp. And again, we're saying this is for our city. It's, it's not for ourselves here, but it is for others in our community. So that's what the camp is about. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, so this morning, we're going to continue in our series in the book of James. And uh, as we talked about last week, uh, the book of James is one of those books that we look at and, and we love this book because it, it cuts straight to the point, but then it's also pretty in your face. Um, and so the way that James started last week is he started with, with trials. Uh, he talked about trials of, of various kinds that, that we're going to go through in life and um, and how to face those trials. So if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go on the podcast and listen to that. 
You say, Randall, what's up with your voice, man? Trials. I'm, I'm sick this week. And so you can't preach on trials without getting trials. You know what I mean? It's just a part of it. Um, but we're going to be digging into this book of James uh, all summer long. And so I encourage you, uh, try and take some time personally to go through the book um, because I think you're, you're going to find some very helpful things through it. Um, and again, it's been said, it's, it's like the, the wisdom literature, the Proverbs of the New Testament. So I think that's why pe- so many people love this book. And so we're going to be looking at James 1, 5 through 8 today. We're going to be talking about wisdom in the trials. Wisdom in the trials. And so again, in week one, James gave us this uh, long view, this long perspective of when we face trials. And what he says through it is that um, he, God's going to get us to the end and we're going to be made more mature through it. And it's a process. So that's what he says about trials. But then this week, uh, he narrows down and, and gives us this tool that we currently need to face the trials. So it's like you got the long-term perspective, but now I'm going to give you the tool that you're going to need to get through it. And so, you know, you read through it and you say, okay, is James one through, uh, 5 through 8, is that a different section? No, this is all about trials. This is still about trials. And so here's the question. What does James tell us that we need right now more than anything when facing trials? That's much like the question, you know, if you were put on a deserted island, what's the one thing you would take with you? So what is the thing that you need when you're about to face trials and you're going through it? James says, hands down, take wisdom. Wisdom. Commentator Sam Alberry says this. He says, trials give us the opportunity to grow, but that does not mean we will know what to do. If we are discern what God is teaching us through trials, how to conduct ourselves and how to best live, we will need wisdom. And so let me ask, when you're going through difficulties in life, Do you think to yourself, I need God's wisdom. I need God's wisdom. See, if we're honest, much of the time, we're looking more for a quick fix, aren't we? I'm going through trials, but I need a diet. I'm going through trials, but I need a checklist of what to do. I need, I'm going through trials, but I need another workout plan. Fix my problems in life. See, those things aren't inherently bad, but James says, stop for a second when your mind goes in that direction. What you need is God's wisdom to survive. About our modern secular society, C.S. Lewis once said this. He says, for the wise men of old, the cardinal problem of human life was how to conform the soul to objective reality. The solution was wisdom, self-discipline, and virtue. For the modern, you and me, The cardinal problem is how to conform reality to the wishes of man. And the solution is a technique. See, many of us today, we're looking for a technique, a quick fix on how to get through the troubles in life. But here's the the reality. We can't control our world. We can't control our world. There's no technique, there's no life hack that can control this world. And we will struggle with this now more than any other generation because here's the thing, 
our world tells us it's possible to control things around us through the modern advancements that we have, technology, whatever we have. We say to ourselves, well, we're just smarter than those generations that have gone before us. And in some respects, we have this generational snobbery that says, oh, we, we, we got this together because we're just smarter. But it's wrong. In September 2015, writer and blogger Mike Sturm wrote a revealing article entitled, Our Dangerous Obsession with Life Hacking. And here's what he said. He said, I used to be wholehearted supporter of hacks, especially life hacks. Those little tricks that promise huge returns for even less work. I long for more and more neat little shortcuts to do more, get more, and be more. It lasts. I am coming to find the, that these tricks are just that, tricks. As in, they trick you into thinking something that is not true. They trick you into thinking that you somehow exploited a loophole in the universe and jumped ahead to the front of the line without having to wait like everyone else. Unfortunately, this is not true. So James tells us, you're in a trial. You don't know what to do. You're at the end of your rope. You feel lost and confused, disoriented in life. Ask God for wisdom. So how? How do we do that? Well, James 1, 5 through 8 is our text today. And just to give some background, James is technically the half-brother of Jesus. And he was transformed from a skeptic to a believer. 1 Corinthians 15, 7 tells us that the resurrected Jesus appeared to his brother, James, and that he became the leader of the Jerusalem church and the writer of this rich gospel New Testament letter today. And so now in verses five through eight, James encourages us to step back and see some bigger truths that we need to gain wisdom in life. And here's what these three truths are. I'm gonna give you all three up front as we break down this text. So the first one is this, a generous God. A generous God. Second is a decisive choice. And third is a warning sign. A generous God, a decisive choice, a warning sign. So the first one is a generous God. Look at verse five. James says, if, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So James's first encouragement right out of the gate, when you're facing trials, when you're facing difficulties, is to go to God. Go to God. He says, when you face trials, the first response is to ask God. So James, instead of giving us this quick trick of how to get through life, life hack, what James gives us is he gives us theology. He gives us this this idea of you need to think on God for a second. Not a to-do list. Not a meditation technique. He says, I want to give you God. And here's what he says about God. He tells us that God is, number one, generous to all. Generous to all. 
And so again, as we think on theology and who God is, here's what we know about God. God is not stingy with wisdom. He's not holding back saying, hey, I, 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 I like you, but I really, I really can't give it to you right now. I can't give you that wisdom that you're needing right now because I'm just gonna hold out on you. Here's the thing, it's not for a select few Christians and not just like pastors get the wisdom from God or any of these things, but this is meant for all of God's children. God is generous to all. The second part of that that we find out from James is this, that God gives without reproach. What does that mean? That God gives without judgment. See, here's the thing about God. God is not shaming us because we didn't listen to him in the past. God's not shaming us and saying, why haven't you gotten it right by now? He's not sending us on a guilt trip, but instead the Bible tells us that he is infinitely patient with his children. That's who God is. And it says that he is faithful to give. You see the end of the verse there? And it will be given him. See, we, we need to understand the difference though. It says that God will give us wisdom, but we need to understand this difference. God will give us what we need, not necessarily what we want. Okay, he's gonna give you the wisdom you need, but maybe it's not the wisdom that you wanted because whatever is that thing that we wanted, it wasn't really wisdom. See, it's much like when my kids come to me in the morning and they say, dad, can you get me breakfast? Say, yeah, I'll get you breakfast. Get them a bowl of cereal. They say, "Um, later, they're like, dad, I I didn't get breakfast today. Say, yeah, you did. You got, you got a bowl of cereal. I gave you cereal. And, and here's their dilemma. They said, okay, yeah, dad, you gave me that, but that's not what I wanted. I wanted a donut today. I wanted a donut. Dad, you didn't feed me today. I, no, I did. We gave you breakfast. You got breakfast. And so here's the thing about God. God will give you wisdom. It might not be exactly what you wanted, but he will give it to you to get through And he is faithful to give it. He says he will. See, James is doing the same thing here. He he doesn't mince words. And and he says this, God's gonna give us exactly what we need to face trials. And what we need is good theology to think on God. See, many times our first response in trials is to try and fix ourselves and try to fix the world around us. We think, well, I just need another YouTube video to get me through, give me some techniques or a blog that can really help me change myself or the world around me. Here's the thing, it's not true. Again, Mike Sturm warns, he says, hacking is dangerous because we will believe we are changing or bending the rules of reality, but we are not. We can't change or bend the rules of reality. We can't change the past and what's happened. And so James says, Listen, listen, take your focus off of yourself and put it onto God. God is the only one who can change reality. God is the only one who can 
bend the rules of reality. We can't do it. See, he's the only one who has ultimate authority. God has the wisdom that we need. And it's not found in looking first to ourselves, but it is looking first to God, to his knowledge, to his sovereignty, to his power. See, look at this picture of God painted in Proverbs 1, 20 through 22, that book of wisdom, Proverbs. Here's what it says. Wisdom cries aloud in the street, in the markets. She raises her voice at the head of the noisy streets. She cries out at the entrance of the city gate. She speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you be, love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in the scoffing and fools hate knowledge? You see, God is a generous God, shouting out, seeking out to people, anyone who would listen to him. He's a generous God. The second point is this, a decisive choice. Look at verse six. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. Now James points us to how we ask for wisdom. He said, well, how do you do this? How do you come to God? This generous God, how do we do it? Let him ask in faith with no doubting. And so what does this mean? He's saying that we need to make a decisive choice about what we believe. And we say, well, hold on. I thought you guys just did a series on doubts and it's okay to doubt sometimes. Well, here's, here's what he's saying. Sam Albury says it well when he says, our fear as we come to these words in James's letter is that he means for us to work ourselves up into a state of absolute belief. Thankfully, this is not what James is talking about. He's using the word doubt in a very specific way here. James is not saying that we must never have had a spiritual question or struggled to understand the ways of God or wrestled with parts of the Bible's teaching. As James unpacks what he means by doubt, it is immediately apparent that he's talking about someone who has split loyalties. By doubt, James means someone who is double-minded, someone we might think of as fickle or two-faced. See, what he's encouraging us to do is saying, okay, you have this line in the sand. You have this moment of saying, okay, you're gonna have some questions, but at the end of the day, do you step over that line in the sand and say, God, I trust you and I put my faith in you? It's a decisive choice that God calls us to make. See, we're called to put our trust in God and say, God, I'm in it even though I don't fully understand. That's what James is talking about, a life of faith. And then lastly, he gives us a warning sign. This is verses six through eight. It says, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does, or all his ways. So James now tells us in verse eight that the recipe for an, a, a recipe for an unstable life 
This is the recipe for an unstable life. He says a double-minded person is like someone who, I don't know if you've seen this before, where, where there's like a boat and then there's the dock. And what you do is you put one foot in the boat and you put one foot on the dock. And what happens is the boat starts to go further and further and further away from the dock. And you're, all of a sudden you're doing the splits, right? You got one and you don't know where to go. And, and what's gonna happen is eventually you are going to face plant into the water. See, that's the visual that we're seeing here as he's talking about the instability of when we put one foot in the world and saying, okay, I trust the world and one foot with God and we're not there completely. And we say, God, we don't fully trust you. It's going to lead to a face plant. We can't balance both. And the result is we'll be unstable. And so James gives us warning signs to see and remedy and I guess put a litmus test to are we that type of person? Here's the visual. He says, okay, first, number one, the wind will hit you. Look at verse six. It says you are driven and tossed by the wind. He illustrates it like this. He says, you're the wave. Life is the ocean and trials are the wind. And here's the thing, the wind will hit you. It's like we talked about last week. It's not if, it's when. It will hit you. And so which direction will the wind take you? Because the second part of this is the wind will drive and toss you somewhere. And so will you be driven out to sea as the trials hit or will you be driven to God? Charles Spurgeon once said it like this. He says, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. Some of us feel like life is just slamming us. And I'm telling you, the only stable thing is going to be the rock of ages. The only anchor in light that's going to hold you when the wind is thrashing you, is the rock of ages. It's God. So let me ask, is your life unstable? Doesn't mean it's not hard. Doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt, but is your life unstable? And if you see that it is, and you're here today, and you're hearing that God is there for you even through it all, It is a gracious warning from God of saying, come to me, place your faith in me. And I know life will drive you in different directions, but come to me, put your trust in me through it all. And I'll be your anchor through it. And so here are some takeaways today that we need to ask ourselves. And this is really, we're gonna spend much of the portion is really applying this to ourselves and our lives. And so I've got three questions for you from the text. And so the first one is this. Do you see God's character in the midst of trial? Do you see God's character? See, at the end of the day, James does not point us to our character because our character is unstable. But the only one that is stable is God. And so 
do we see God's character? Because here's the theology. He's a good father. He's a father who cares for you deeply. God, God is doing something that we can't see in our lives. He's, he's, he's wanting to shape us to become wiser than we are right now. And here's the thing about God. He's the God that is more committed to our character and our growth than we are. He is a good father. And some of us might push back and we say, well, I get it. God is a good father, but, but why does he allow me to struggle? What, why doesn't he just give me the right answer when I'm at the end of my rope? You say, I, I wish he would just tell me what to do. Let me give you an insight that hopefully helps. Much of the Christian life is gray. Right? There are things that we see that are black and white in Scripture. But Scripture doesn't address every single issue that you're going to face in life. You won't find a Bible, for every, a Bible verse for every life circumstance that you can try and fit into a box. Should I take this job? Should I move to this place? What do I do? Here's the thing about God. God is not a dictator father who says, here's every answer, now you obey me. No, here's the thing. He's the, he's the father that says, I'm with you through the struggles. I've given you my Holy Spirit. Now trust me, Look to my word and let it speak to you and see that I'm shaping you into the person that will make godly decisions through the trials. See, it's much deeper than just here's the right answer and the right response. What it is, here's, here's what it is. It's a relationship. It's a relationship that God is crafting you through. It's not just a textbook that you read it and follow it. He says, I will walk with you through every step. And what I'm doing is I'm carefully crafting you more into the image of Jesus. I will walk with you through every step to become the person that I'm calling you to be. See, none of us start out that way. But it is God and his grace walking through everything with us that gets us to the end. And so do you see God's character in the midst of trial, that he's a loving father that's here for you? The second question is, whose wisdom do you run to when you face trials? God's wisdom or the world's wisdom? See, many of us today don't realize how influenced we are by the world's wisdom. It's the wisdom that says, it's all on your shoulders, you gotta do this yourself, you got to figure out the answer on your own. God's not really there. See, what, what's happening is many are, of us are running from God instead of running to God. And so again, do you hear God's wisdom crying out to you? Like it says in Proverbs 1, Proverbs 9.10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. 
You say, I don't know where to start. Start with God and knowing that we don't have it all together and we don't have the answers. But it's knowledge of the Holy One. That's insight. So you want to know the beginning of wisdom? It's looking to God and seeing that the Bible tells us that the truth, it tells us the truth about ourselves. See, like we say, well, I need some self-discovery in my life. Here's the self-discovery that the Bible tells us. It says that we're fools. It says that we're sinful. It says that we are sheep that are lost and in need of a shepherd. That's where the Bible starts with us. That's, what it, that's self-discovery for us. And it tells us in Jude 25 that God alone is wise. God alone is wise. He's the only one who knows how to navigate us through this life. It's much like when I was struggling in this time of my life, when I was just like, God, what do I do? Where do I go? How do I get there? And there is this verse in Proverbs 3. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. It's not like I gotta make my path straight, I gotta figure this out, but it's like as I put my trust in the Lord, he will make a a straight path for me, even though I don't know how to get through. So today, can we receive that? Do we see how little we know? Do we believe that we need God? Right now, in whatever we're going through, here... Again, Timothy Keller says it well. He says, if we knew what God knows, we would ask exactly for what he gives. That's hard to process. Like, God, like, what you're giving me right now, like, not everything that happens in life is God's fault. It's not his fault. Right? But, But we will go through some things that he's gonna give us the strength to get through it. So many of us are struggling with life, but, but would you consider that your theory about life could be wrong? How I'm gonna get through it could be wrong. And ultimately, that we need God's perspective. So how do we do this? We gotta bind ourselves to God's process. We gotta bind ourselves to God's process, um, even though we don't understand it. One of the things I... I um, I love being a part of what my son is. We, we, uh, we go to karate every week. He's, he's a karate kid. Um, Kai, he's eight years old. And we go uh, literally like three times a week, spend a lot of time in the dojo. And, uh, and for him, he, he is all about it. He loves it. Um, but there are times where he's like really struggles. Like really struggles because they're like asking him to do some really hard maneuvers with his body. Right, like, and I watch him, and I say, I, I could, could not do what he's doing, memorizing some of the things that he's doing, some of the forms and all this stuff. So he's like on this special demo team where they're performing and doing all these flips and stuff. I mean, he's learning his back handspring right now. Like, I can't do that. But there are times where he's really struggling. He looks at me. He says, "Dad, I quit. I quit." He's got tears in his eyes. I quit, Dad. I'm done with karate. Fine, I'll tell your sensei. He's like, no, don't tell sensei. But I'm done. <laughs> and here's the thing. I'm like, son, we're going to work through this. It's a process. But, but, but just trust that 
There are people that are wiser than you that see some potential in you that you can do this. Because that's the thing. All the senseis, all the people that are working with him are like, man, he's going to be really good. He's going to do really well. He's got all the tools to do this. But like as he's doing his back handspring and falling on his head, he's like, no, I can't. Can't do it. Dad, I'm done. I hate this. I'm done with karate. And that's how some of us are looking at life right now. We're like in the midst of it. And God's like, I give you all the tools. I'm with you. Like you don't think I, you got the tools, but I'm with you. That's going to be enough. I am in you. And I'm going to get you through it. I'm going to walk you through it. So do you hear God's wisdom crying out to you, saying, man, I'm, I'm here for you? And the last question is this. Have you applied the litmus test to your life? Let's be honest. Do you see warning signs? Is your life characterized by instability? Do you feel like you're being tossed by the waves of life? You say, well, how do I stabilize? It's when we let go of our lives and give it over to God. But it starts by saying, man, my life is unstable, God, and I need you. So you say, okay, well, oh, yeah, that, I'm at that point, but how is it possible that, that God, I, I get it, like God's gracious, he's generous to other people, but how could he be generous to a foolish, sinful person like me? How could that be possible? It's possible because ultimately it's, it's when Jesus, the one who didn't deserve to go to the cross, but it's, it's when he cried out for wisdom. He's in the garden. He's praying. Lord, I, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus is crying out in his greatest trial. And here's the thing. In his greatest trial, Jesus' greatest trial, heaven was shut. Jesus was denied. He was denied. The only perfect person who deserved all the wisdom and guidance of heaven was denied and was asked to go to the cross. Why did he do it? For us. For us. It's so that when you and I cry out to God and say, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't have any direction. He will always respond and say, I am with you. It's because when Jesus cried out, God the Father turned his back. He did that so that every time we cry, God the Father will hear what we say. It was for us. See, Jesus got what we deserve so that we can get what he deserves. And it's only because of Jesus that it's possible. And so my question is, do you know him? Have you received him? Like really received him? 1 Corinthians one twenty four says this, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
You wanna know what James is talking about when he says wisdom that you need? He's talking about Jesus. He's saying, you know, you're gonna get through the trial. Jesus, Jesus is the wisdom of God. It's not just this like technique or this idea that's out there. It's a person, a person who came, lived the perfect life, lived with wisdom this world had never seen and died a criminal's death so that you and I can have wisdom when we're going through it, the storms and waves of life. And so will you receive him? Will you receive Christ? Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you help us today to see that you're enough. Your power is enough for us through the trials that we're gonna face. And I pray, Lord, that you help us as we navigate this life. We need you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.